0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Wednesday Bible Study here from the Broadcast Plaza and Teleport. We thank you for joining us. Uh, We're we're continuing our study through the Gospel of John. It'll be part seven, but we'll be getting into chapter four today. Now, we we do have a few things we want to cover with you. If you uh, would like to attend the next Man Church, uh, a couple of those are coming up. Coming up this Sunday, uh, Man Church will be happening at Woodstock First Baptist Church, uh, and I'll be there this coming Sunday night, the 20th, uh, all those details are rickandbubba.com or burgessministries.com under events. Uh, the next one I will not be speaking, but uh, will be part of emceeing and hosting is at my home church, Shades Mountain Baptist Church. Uh, we'll have Kevin Ham from Gardendale First Baptist. He'll be coming in uh, to challenge our men. You're welcome to join us for any of those. And that'll be the 27th. That'll start at 6 p.m. Also, if you're not already in a Bible study, there'll be multiple opportunities for you to enter into a Bible study uh, coming up on the 27th as well. Uh, You could always join us here. We do it uh, every Wednesday at noon uh, Central Time, 1 o'clock Eastern. If you're watching this or listening to this, we do this at uh, the Rick and Bubba Studios. Uh, Seating can be limited, but uh, you're welcome to try to join us if you so desire while you're in town. Like today, we got two guys from Louisville, Kentucky uh, that came to watch the show this morning, and they've stayed for the Bible study, and uh, we certainly encourage that and and always look forward to that. Uh, Also, if you ever trying to find the Rick and Bubba Studios uh, Bible Studies that have been going on for the four years, uh, if it's pretty recent, you can get it on the YouTube channel. Uh, just hit playlist and you'll see all the different Bible studies uh, or the podcast channel. Also, you can hit playlist and find the Bible studies. If it goes you know, beyond uh, uh, two years, you probably want to go back to BurgessMinistries.com and just click on the listen button and you can see multiple uh, topics that we studied here during the Bible study. So we're going to open up with a word of prayer. And we're going to jump right into what the Lord has for us today. Lord, thank you for today. Uh, and Lord, I, I'm just thankful for all the men who have made an effort to be here today. Uh, we certainly ask that you be with those that are hurting today, uh, those that, that, that are working through the trials and tribulations of what it's like uh, to be in a fallen creation. Be with those that are listening and watching all around the world right now, Lord, that there, there's something you're going to say today uh, that that person needed to hear. And of course, we look forward to, to what we need to hear today, as well as uh, the one who will be. teaching on your behalf today, Lord. I pray that you will help me to overcome my imperfections to deliver the message exactly as you would have me deliver it. And Lord, I pray you continue to to grow us into the men that only you can make us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Alright, so if you have your Bible or something with your Bible on it, let's go to uh, the Gospel of John chapter 4. This may be a very familiar story. Uh, this is Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman uh, at the well. Uh, I'll, I'll read verses 1-30 uh, through 30, uh, and then we'll go back and kind of start unpacking this a little bit and then we'll finish out. Uh, we will finish out the entire chapter. I'm sorry, not the entire chapter, but up to Jesus healing an official son. Uh, so that will take us all the way through 44 today. But let me start with 1-30 through 30 because this is the part that you're probably the most familiar with. Uh, here's what the Gospel of John tells us. Lord be with us as we unpack your word. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making um, and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he went to a town of Samaria called, I can't pronounce that, Cycler or Sychar, uh, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Uh, for disciples, the disciples had gone away into the city to buy some food. Uh, the Samaritan woman said to him, How is that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For the Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who, who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you, have, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, give him will never be thirsty again the water that i give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i will not be thirsty uh, or have uh, have to come here to draw water jesus said to her go call your husband and come here the woman answered him i have no husband jesus said to her you're right in saying i have no husband for you have had 5 husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband What what, what you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you, you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here. Just then disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, who do you, who do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? So the woman left her water jar, went away into the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be Christ? They went out of the town and they were coming to him. Lord, may you take this word and may you apply it to our lives. So let's break this down. What's going on and, and kind of work through it. So first of all, uh, we see when 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 chapter 4 starts, the Pharisees are trying to incite competition between Jesus and John the Baptist. Remember, we talked about that last week. And so chapter 4 picks up and says, now Jesus is going to leave Judea, and He's going to start north for Galilee. He's not going to be part of this. The Pharisees are trying to take these two movements, and they're trying to divide them up and get them to play against each other. Jesus knows this is what's going on. He's going to head out of there. Now, He could have taken three different routes. He could have gone along the coast. That's one way he could have got to where he's going. He could have uh, he could have gone across the Jordan uh, through um, uh, Perea. He could have done that. Or the third, and this would not have been the option that any Jewish person would have taken. He could do what he did, and that's go straight through Samaria. This is not what he would do as an Orthodox Jew in the day. They avoided Samaria because there was a large, a long-standing, deep-seated hatred between them and the Samaritans. And I want you to understand what's going on here. Those of you that got a little age on you, I'm telling you what, what's going on here is what was going on in Birmingham uh, uh, during the time of Jim Crow and all of these things. Picture that kind of environment. It's it's as bad, if not worse, the way the Jews saw the Samaritans. So what Jesus is about to do is. Unorthodox, which was kind of what Jesus loved to do. So uh, the, the Samaritans were a mix between a Jew and a Gentile. Now, how this happened, this is when the Jewish people were held captive by the Assyrians. Um, and this this is when they took the 10 northern tribes in 727 B.C. So during that captivity, the Assyrians and the Jews began to mix, and that produced for us the Samaritans. And you know how the Jewish people were with the genealogy. So they rejected them as Jews because the genealogy didn't work, and they didn't like it. And to make matters worse, then the Samaritans turned around, and you see the woman talking about this, and they established their own temple and religious services, and they did that on, on Mount uh, Gerizim. So just when it couldn't get worse, they said, well, i tell you what, if you reject us, we'll just go take our own temple, and we'll do our own thing, and we'll go over and say God's with us. That, all that did was put fuel on the fire. So now we got a very serious situation and a deep hatred between these two people. Uh, So this also made the prejudice even worse. The Samaritans were so hated. Listen to this. This is incredible. The Samaritans were so hated that some of the Pharisees actually prayed that no Samaritan would be raised at the resurrection. They wanted God to say, we don't even want there to be redemption or salvation available to these people. As far as we're concerning, we're praying to God that you would take these people and you would just damn them for the rest. I mean, for all eternity. We don't want them to be part of the resurrection. So this is how bad it was. So Jesus... If you look at, uh, we'll get to this. It's, it's funny how many, how many things in the Gospel of John are mentioned early in John, and then we're going to go through them again later. But you'll notice when, when the enemies of Jesus are trying to say that He is not God, He is not Christ, He's not who He claims to be, guess what they call Him in, in, in John eight forty eight? a Samaritan. <laughs> Which, which was the ultimate dig to say this guy, he's likely some Samaritan, you know, that is of the devil uh, and is doing all that. So we'll see this when we get to John chapter 8. If you want to look at it, it's 8.48. So then the question that is before us, and we probably have some idea of the answer. So if, you, if, you, if you're someone who's been a follower of Jesus, Jesus for a while, but it's good to review, why would Jesus go this route? So why would Jesus have options to get to where he's going that would have avoided Samaria. But Jesus just, just went right to where this, this, this problematic situation would occur. Well, it's really cool if you look at it because when we talked about in John chapter 3, we see that Jesus counseled a moral Jewish man... And, and I love this. And now he's going to turn around and say, y'all saw that? Now watch this. I'm going to go from counseling and calling to repentance. Don't miss that part. you got to be born again. Calling to repentance a moral Jewish man. Now he's going to go witness and call to repentance an immoral Samaritan woman. Mm-hmm. He's going from one extreme to the other. And you know what he's saying? They're in equal need of redemption. And we got to get that. You've heard me say this over and over again. If there's one biblical concept, you know, every problem the world has, the Bible has the answer equality, 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 bigotry, racism, misogyny, all these different things. The only place that you find true equality is at the foot of the cross. Every single human being is in equal need of redemption. And that's what Jesus is showing and preaching. And he's, he's showing His followers this. So, He arrives at Jacob's well about 6 p.m. We saw this in Scripture. This was the usual time for the women to come get the water. Now, the reason why that is, there's various commentaries on this, but mostly uh, it was because it was cooler Uh, also the women are trying to, to go in packs and go together. The fact this woman was by herself was actually not ordinary. Normally the women would travel in groups, you know, for safety and, and protection. So we also know that the disciples had gone into town for food. So Jesus deliberately said, pass, I'm not going with y'all. I'm going to stay here. Okay, so think about that. That's a deliberate move on Jesus' part. Then here's the thing I want us to understand too. When we're trying to understand this concept that, that the Bible keeps showing us, that when Jesus came to earth, when, when, when the second person in the Trinity says, I'm going to them because they can't come to us, They can't come to me. I go to them. Jesus made the decision that he would take on human flesh. He would be born of a virgin birth. So he's taking on 100% human... Uh, characteristics, but also re- staying with the one hundred percent God. You have, we have to get that right because I, there's a, there's a lot of false religions that try to act like that Jesus was, was never in, there was no humanness about him whatsoever. Well, here's another example. It says John says Jesus, the man, was weary. He was hungry and he was thirsty. And you know what he finally said? I, I, I got Y'all go. I, I, I'm taking. I'm gonna sit here and wait you ever been that guy? I have. This is theme park stuff to me. <laughs> hey, hey, we're hungry. I'll tell you what, I'm going to hold up right here. I'm going to stay with him. Y'all going to get something to eat and bring it back. And so he's staying there. And the Bible says, why, what, what was Jesus's condition as a human? Hungry, weary, thirsty. Okay. So he, he really experienced these things. And by the way, the reason why we need to know that is his perfection, but also you have to understand he was not exempt from the suffering that he suffered on the cross. Let me tell you, he he felt that just like any man would. And, and, and which are which to bring up a little more thankfulness maybe in our spirit when we realize that what He chose to do and He certainly didn't have to do. Uh, so he, so we know that Jesus is in this position. He's waiting by the well, the Son of God. But And I love this. He's truly the Son of God but He entered into all the normal experiences of our lives and is able to identify with us in each situation you find yourself in. He, he said, I am the son of God, but I'm also going to, as, as a son of God, I'm going to come in. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to experience the normal experiences of being a human being. So the conversation with Jesus and the woman shows that her knowledge of Jesus will increase until she acknowledges him as Christ. It starts out, I don't really know who you are. I'm conversing. And this is a great picture of maybe your experience with Jesus, my experience with Jesus. You know, we start out, we, we, we know something about Jesus. And the more we learn and the more we seek and the more we are become intrigued, the more we get into the word, the more we do that. Eventually, hopefully, you had that moment. You said, i got to acknowledge you as Christ. I've got to acknowledge you as Redeemer. I didn't have all the answers in the beginning, but the more I studied, the more I found out, the more I realized that you are who you say you are. So the first thing you have to understand is we're going to go through these different, this, this process with the woman and the different things that she understood about Jesus. And I'm going to walk through it. Number one uh, starts in, in verse 7. She identifies the first thing is Jesus is a Jew. So, so, so look, at, look at verse 7. A woman from Samaria came to, uh, came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, which is pretty straightforward. Give me a drink. He's there by himself. The Samaritan woman said to him, "How is it that you, a Jew, ask for me, a woman of Samaria?" Now, see, that's 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 two hits. I'm not I'm not just a Samarian. I'm a woman. This is two things that make this situation interesting. It was not considered proper for any man, especially a rabbi. Remember, everybody's saying Jesus is a teacher. We don't know what kind of teacher, but we know that he's a teacher. It was not proper at all for any man, especially a rabbi, to speak in public to a strange woman. That, 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 that we just didn't do. And you'll see this at the end of the chapter. We're getting toward the end in 27. What did the disciples do? They walk up and go, what is he doing? What's going on here? You know, it was, and they stood back and watched. That's why they had that reaction. Why are you, a Jewish man, a teacher, a rabbi, why are you talking to this woman? And oh, by the way, this is a Samaritan. Why is this going on? And so if you if you put if you look in the parentheses part what he said he says he says right here he says for Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. That's right after we finished looking at verse 9. And, and the reason why he put that in there John put that in there I want you to understand because don't, don't get the wrong version of this. We don't want to exaggerate because we do know what the disciples went into town where the Samaritans were to get some food. So it's not like they didn't have any dealings at all with Samaritans. What he's saying really is that they didn't ask for favors from Samaritans. You might go in and do business with a Samaritan, but you would not ever say, hey man, can you, can, you, can you give me a drink of this water? That, no. And that's why John put that in there. What Jesus is doing is counterculture. You know, no Jewish rabbi would say to a Samaritan woman, Hey, would you do me a favor? I'm thirsty. Can you get a drink for me? It just wouldn't be done. They wouldn't lower themselves to that of asking that a Samaritan could do anything for them. And that's really what uh, John's talking about in parentheses there. We know they have some dealings with them because they've gone to get food. So here's what she's doing. She's pointing out to Jesus. And you know what she's wondering when she says, why are you a, a Jewish man Talking and conversing with me, a Jewish woman. So think about in the beginning, you know what else she's doing? What's your motivation? I mean, you know she's a woman that doesn't have the best reputation in the world. So her first thought is, what's your play here? Because she knows this shouldn't be taking place. So she's wondering why. But what's cool is that our Lord Jesus is simply... looking for a way to get into the conversation with her like we need to learn from him. How many times have you been in a situation where you wanted to witness to somebody and again remember there's nothing, don't waste airplane rides. There's nothing better than an airplane ride because the person next to you don't have anywhere to go. (laughs) And how many times though have you started, you don't ask, you don't sit down the first time, hey how are you doing today? Let me ask you this, do you know Jesus is your personal Savior? What do you normally do? So where are you going? Where are you from? You you start a conversation and he's trying to get in a conversation where he can get to what he really wants to talk about and what he's doing when he asks for for a drink of water. Certainly he's thirsty, but it's bigger than that. What he's saying, he wants to get a water conversation going. Why? Because I got to tell you about the living water. I can't use this living water analogy if we don't start talking about water. So the first thing he wants to do is he wants to deal with the human side of things. Hey, could I have a drink of water? Could you help me get a drink of water? He's showing us how to be strategic. Now remember this. The reason why we know this, back in chapter 3, when he spoke to Nicodemus, what did he start talking to him about? A new birth. Yeah. He knew there was something that Nicodemus would understand. So he just looks for anything. You know, he, he does this throughout Scripture. And, and so now he's going to say, hey, I, I, I want to talk about Nicodemus, about his need, even though he was a moral man, about his need for a new birth. Now I want to speak to this Samaritan woman about her need for the living water. She understands water. Nicodemus understood new birth." So whatever is needed for the situation, for the individual, you see Jesus being strategic. So Jesus now will start to point out the things that she does not know about him, who he was, what he had to offer, and how she could receive it. But but at first, he's got to get the conversation going. Jesus converses frankly with a religious Jewish aristocrat. Did you see anywhere where he said to Nicodemus, now... I'm afraid to tell you that you got to be born again. No. So uh, remember this because what's important about this, and i'm'm I'm, I've been praying about saying this correctly, okay? At some point, you have to talk about the need of redemption. I, I've seen brothers and sisters that 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 certainly, certainly love the, let's get in a conversation love let me make sure I show you that I'm interested in you as a person and all that's important they love to say let me talk about something you care about and they love to be friendly and they love to spend the time together but they can't quite ever say to the person you need redemption just like I do if we never get around to that part of the conversation it certainly is of some value I guess that you were nice to somebody that's certainly good but this, sometimes I think we say under the guise of, well, I just wanted to live to fight another day. Hey, time and place. Time and place. Now look, there's certainly some truth to that. But we have to ask ourselves a real question. Is it really us just trying to get the right time and place? Is it really us living to talk another day? Or have we just lost confidence in the gospel? Have you just lost confidence in the gospel? I mean, think about it right now. How many people could we honestly say that because of our obedience to Christ and watching his example, we can say today that that person would say, Jesus saved me, but your obedience pointed me to Jesus. How many people would say that about you? You you, you remember, there used to be this song, and when I started doing, when I first started speaking, and, and a lot of our rural churches love it, and I do too, and it's a great song, and it was thank you, this, it has this vision, this guy gets to heaven, and all of a sudden all these people are coming up and thanking him or her for her obedience to Christ because it was them that the reason why they're in heaven. You remember that? Thank you for doing this and doing that. Uh, I mean, That song always just puts chills on me. So let me ask you this. Anybody going to say that to you? Anybody? Is there going to be anybody that says, hey, thank you for your obedience because Jesus saved me by, through your obedience. He did it, but you were obedient, so you're the one who pointed me to him. Because if we watch his example, he's sitting there with a moral Pharisee, a teacher, an aristocrat. And you know what he says? Now you know that you got to be born again. So now he's talking to this woman and, and and he's saying, Look, you're an untrained female, you're a Samaritan. And and you've made a mess of your life, but I'm going to converse frankly with you too. I'm going to be frank with Nicodemus, and I'm going to be frank with the Samaritan woman. I didn't pick and choose because both of y'all are in equal need of redemption, so I'm going to deal with it with both of you. And I'm not afraid to, I'm doing it lovingly, and I'm showing you redemption is available. I'm certainly not going to be sanctimonious and self-righteous, but... There comes a time that you have to be frank and deal with what the situation is. You know why? That's the example Jesus shows us. I didn't come up with this. Jesus has given us a second example in two weeks, or three weeks now, where he says, you know you need to be redeemed. You know that you need salvation. And I love this. He talks frankly with both, but he also was happily. He he had no issue with either one of them to break social and religious taboos to do so. You know, people say, you can't tell Nicodemus he's got to be born again. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yes, I will, because he does. Hey, look, this woman, who are you to judge? Of course, he can. Who are you to judge? Hey, we, we don't go there. Don't go there. Well, maybe these people are looking to hear the answer. I will tell you the only people who really loved me were the ones who told me, "Brother, you need redeemed. You need to be redeemed." Well, what if the pastor that y'all heard my testimony about had just said, "You know what? I'm glad you want to get married in my church. That's just awesome." And somebody's saying, "You know, this guy lives a life that's pretty crazy." Well, yeah, but I just want to be his friend. Was he my friend? I mean, what if he just said, well, y'all just come on in here. Let's just go and have this ceremony. And Rick, I know there's some things in your life to, whoo, really. But man, you're just so funny. And I'm just so glad I'm getting to be the pastor to do this. Where's this woman you want to marry? Well, who cares? I'll tell you what day do y'all want. (laughs) And somebody would say, well, you know, that you're just trying to earn that friendship, to earn that right. No, he had the right when I sat down in front of him and says, I want to be married. No, I just gave him the right. I'm now in the conversation, and you know what he's supposed to do? Tell me what the Bible says about marriage. So tell me about yourself, this, this, and this. What about you? Well, you know, if, if you like to fish, you tell them you like to fish, right? If you like football, you tell them about football. If you ask what you do for a living, you tell them about that. But, but deep down somewhere, you and I said that the most important thing in the universe was the day we were redeemed, or, or, or the period of life where we were redeemed, How do you leave that out of any conversation? If it's the most important thing that's ever happened to you. How's that ever left out? How do you ever talk to anybody that you just met and and you don't know if you're ever going to see them again? I can tell you, there's people that I that I that God has prompted me to share with, I don't know what happened. I've had some that I said, man, I felt good about that. I like that prayer we prayed. I hope it was sincere. You know, remember Billy Sunday. Don't forget Billy Sunday. Billy, we had so many people give their life to Jesus today. You know what he would say? We'll see. We don't know the sincerity of anybody's heart and we don't answer for that. But we certainly answer for, why didn't you talk to that person? Man, I man, I, lied. I, t- I brought him right through your life. There's been many times just being completely transparent with you, my brothers and, and sisters that may be listening and watching, that I have been in the situation and I've even gotten in an argument with my Lord and Savior. I don't want to talk to this person about you. Can they just fix this thing in my house and leave? (laughs) I know you want me to talk to them. I don't want to. I really would rather not. I just got home from work. I got this I want to fool with. They're just here to fix the air conditioner. And before long, that Holy Spirit's like, really? These people are in your house. They're in your house. You didn't even have to go find them they're in your house and they keep trying to talk to you. How much longer would the small talk? And I've learned to go, really, honestly, just to be transparent, sometimes just so he'll get off of me, I'll go, okay. <laughs> I'd like to say I'm doing it because I love them. A lot of times I'm doing it just because I'm being obedient. Because I, I honestly, I have, I have a hard time loving people I don't know. Only Jesus does that for me. But when I think about the stuff that when they leave, that old terrible feeling when that truck drives off... And all of a sudden, you hear here home by yourself. You're like, and now you got to an answer to what? The Lord. So that's, that's it. That's all you gave them. How about Bama this year? That's all they got? <laughs> that, that's the whole conversation you have. So what I've done, because I sometimes am not that great at this, what I've done is I, we have these devotions that, that Andy and I wrote. I keep them in the house, and I'll walk up to the guy, and I'll say, hey, it starts conversation. I was going to give you a gift, but, I, you know, you, you, I'd see if you want it. Are you a follower of Jesus? And then the conversation goes. And if they, even they say yes or no, I'll say, man, I got something that may help you. You want to look at this? I said, so, so 100%, no doubt you're a follower of Jesus. And a lot of times the guys will say, yeah, absolutely I am. And we'll have a conversation. I'll hand them, I'll, I'll send them out the door with that. But let me tell you this. if you, There's really no getting around the fact you know, we, we can say time and place all we want to. If you're ever in your house by yourself and somebody's been sent to your house, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> That's it. And airplanes every time. So anyway, and, 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 we, and we've all been in that situation. We go, man, I just want to lay my head over here and watch a movie and sleep. I promise you, if you love Jesus, you get off that airplane and go, I am a loser. <laughs> if you, If you do not, at least bring it up and have a conversation. Because here's Jesus giving us an example. He could have easily said, I just want something to drink and that I'm going to move on. You're a Samaritan woman anyway. But, but, he, but he is speaking frankly and he'll break any religious or social taboo to do it. So she's recognizing him as a Jew. They're having that conversation. The next thing we see is that now she gets into conversation about Jesus and she's going to find out. The next thing about him is he's greater than Jacob. He's greater than Jacob. Look at this in verses 11, th- 11 through 15. So Jesus has just told her, if you, if you knew the gift of God and who it was saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And 11, she says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? See now, notice the first thing she said is, you don't even have anything to get the water with. You can't get this water, so how in the world do you can get living water? And so now we're starting to transition out of this is just a Jewish man. Is, is he says, where do you get the living water? Are you greater than Jacob? He gave us this well and drank from it himself. And so did his sons and his livestock. So first thing she's asking. I'm, I, I, listen, I know an idea of what you're talking about. But the first thing that Jesus is saying to her if you'll catch this, and I think I the think same thing will happen to this. She's a woman that has some familiarity with the Torah. And you know what Jesus is saying here in his own way? You should know the Torah better than you do. I just threw out living water to you. And that should have rung a bell with you. And, and he's saying what he's said to me most of my life. You know, a lot of things you missed, Rick. You didn't know my word. You missed so many things because you didn't know the word of God. You know, this this was in there. I can't tell you the mistakes that I made in my life that I made defiantly. okay? but there are a lot of mistakes i made in my life out of total ignorance of the word of God. It's not an excuse. That didn't mean that Jesus said, well, you never read that. So I'll give you a pass on that one. No, I'm held accountable for it. But honestly, I'm just being straight up with you. I didn't know some of the things when they were happening because I didn't know the word of God. So when it was happening, I was kind of making it up as I go. And let me tell you something. Some of you have been redeemed. Praise the Lord for that. But you got to stop this making it up as you go. You're going to make all kinds of mistakes because you haven't taken the time to know what you're supposed to be doing now, and it's all here. And, and, and I, look, I, I went through completely lost... I went through New Believer and making it up as I go. And now all that's kind of starting to come together now where I I got, I don't, the knowledge of the Word of God is starting to come because I'm actually spending time in it. It's funny how that'll happen. And I'm spending time in it. And now I'm realizing that a lot of situations I get into, I know what to do because God told me. Now, do I still make mistakes? Of course. But I don't say, I know it's a mistake now. Not, well, I don't really know how how God sees this. You know, I used to be terrified sitting here doing this that somebody's was going to call in and ask me something about the Bible and I wouldn't know the answer to it. And, and, and over time, through the, through the studying of the Word, I, I know like what she's saying and, and you'll say, well Rick, what, what do you mean by the Torah? Well, I'll tell you. Jeremiah two 2.13, this is why Jesus is, seems to be suggesting this. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah has been told by God that his people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me. And look at this. They have forsaken me, and listen what God calls himself in Jeremiah 2.13, the spring of living water. They've rejected me, the spring of living water, and they have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. You know what Jesus is saying? Hey, this analogy I just used about this well and living water, you should have known about that. This should have prompted something. But it didn't. And then, of course, we look at the prophets looking forward to this. Write these down because you can go back for time today. We won't go through all these. Uh, look at Zechariah 14.8. Write that down. Zechariah 14.8. Ezekiel 47.9. And, and guess what they keep talking about? Oh, this is, this is so good. It gave me a whole new look at this story that I was pretty familiar with. You know what they keep looking forward to? When the living water flows from Jerusalem. When the living water flows from Jerusalem Jeremiah my people have rejected me the living water Zechariah Ezekiel the day is coming when the living water Jesus Christ will flow from Jerusalem salvation as we'll hear in a minute comes from the Jews so she's understanding that that Jesus is saying something about water that will keep her alive she thinks in the beginning he's talking because in those days not all water was good for life I mean you you couldn't just drink any water. But Jacob's well was dependable to be clean water. But see, Jesus is trying to say, no, no, I'm not talking about the fact that this water will, will give you th- drink and keep you alive. I'm talking about living water. What I'm really talking about is this is representing the transformation and the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. That's the living water. That's going to that's going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's going to cleanse you and sustain you. Write this down. If you don't believe that. The living water is clarified by Isaiah, Isaiah 1, 16 through 18, Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. Jesus is saying, the prophets have told you about what I'm talking about. This is me. This is the living water they've been telling you about. God's presence, because I'm here, is about to be poured out on everybody and will sustain you. Jesus is clarifying by telling her material water only satisfies for the moment and and it may satisfy your needs here in the world. But I love this when he says this, and there's so many examples of this. Look look, look at this in, in verse 13. Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. Talking about the water in the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you God's presence. You, you, may, you may go to the world and say, I was thirsty and now I'm not, but it'll never last. How many more people do we have to see? How many testimonies in this room? How many testimonies out there and listening can say, I've lived that. I went after something in this world and I thought, man, this satisfies me for the moment. Then the next thing you know, the whole book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon said, these things don't last. How many more people have to jump off a building? How many more people have to put a gun in their mouth? That had everything that the world said they were supposed to want. You know why? They were just thirsty again. There are people in hell right now. And you know what they're saying? I thirst. I'm thirsty. They didn't get the living water, and and they'd give anything for a touch of water to touch their mouth. All they did was go after the things of the world. And guess what happened when their life was over? They're thirsty. It, it doesn't last. And Jesus is clarifying this. And I love this. You know what he's saying? Man, I hope you've experienced this. Jesus satisfies. Hey, on my worst day, because I have Jesus. You know, what, what, I love this. And I, I hope I can word this right. i was trying to remember. But I knew I should have written this down. C.S. Lewis, when C.S. Lewis says, for those that are perishing, for those that have rejected the ultimate authority in the universe, like we talked about last week, earth is the only heaven they're ever going to know. And he says, but for, for those that, that have accepted the redemption of Jesus, earth is nothing but just kind of a mini hell. It's, it's, it's almost just like a department of hell because where we're going is nothing like this place what we're going to experience is nothing like this but can you imagine that this earth and it's disappointments and it's sickness and it's death and it's tragedies is the only heaven you're ever going to know I like the fact that we who are redeemed this is the only hell we're ever going to know <laughs> I, I think that deserves it. Let's, let's ponder that a minute. Yeah. Isn't that great news? Yeah. Hey, hey, this is bad. Hell's worse. But this is as bad as it's going to be for us. But if you don't have Jesus, this is as good as it's going to be. It'll never get any better than this. It'll only get worse. I got to go talk to the man that we've been praying for, about who's about to step into heaven. And he's been told by doctors that you've gone home to die. And and I got a chance to go home, go over and talk to him, and because I I was fortunate enough to be there when he gave his life to Jesus, and, and we want to talk again, and you know what we did? It was fantastic. He's still with us, but at times running out. We just sit there and talked about heaven. We just read scripture after scripture after scripture, and you know what we're saying is just what Jesus is saying. This world was never going to satisfy you anyway. You're about to go where you'll never be thirsty again where you're about to go and the reunions you're going to experience, but most importantly, guess what you're about to see? Jesus. Now see, that's people who die a different way. I don't know if you've ever tried to talk to somebody that don't know what's going to happen. I hope you never have to go through that. It's a terrible, terrible thing. And you're hoping that they can get it. You know, Jesus Jesus loves a, dead, a deathbed you know, redemption. Now there won't be a lot of impact and a lot of fruit, but. But I mean, I've been in those places. I'm just like, I've seen them go well, and I've seen them go, I don't know, man. I don't know, I don't, I don't know why that, the, the second one ever happens. But I've seen, I've seen the one where the person is about to go with days left, and they said, I want Jesus. And it's beautiful. But you know what's more beautiful is like the one I just had, a guy who was redeemed even, even later in his years. But these last 10, 11 years of his life, People talk about what a joyful, wonderful man he's been, how he he was always there. He was an active member of the church, made new friends, was just just loved his redemption. And now he's about to meet a savior. Now, does he is he still anxious about the process of dying? Of course, I think we are. But he's not worried about actual dying, though. Not at all. And, and so that, that's, that's what Jesus is saying, if you get this right. So she, she, she went from he's a Jew to he's greater than Jacob. And now she gets to the point where she's starting to recognize him as a prophet. This is in verse 16 through 24. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What what you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, because you're going to see here, conviction is not a lot of fun. You're going to watch her try to pivot. She says, that's true. Now let's talk about something else. Uh-huh. All right. So, but we'll get to that, but, but let's hit this. So what do you think about Jesus? What do you think about Jesus saying to her? The most embarrassing thing she has in her life is what's happened with her and men. And what does he say? Once you go get your husband, let's talk to him. Y'all okay with that? Well, there's, there's a lot of people out there now. So you just don't talk about sin. We we don't talk about sin. And we don't talk about hell. Can't do that to people. well, Jesus did now he's not be, there's a way to do it but it's pretty frank he, he says to this woman who and, and, and the commentary varies did some of these men die that were once her husbands were these all men who divorced her were these men who went another way did she go after him the bottom line we know she's sleeping with somebody now she, she, she's, she's a shack up honey that we know okay and so what Jesus is doing is what he's dealing with that He says to her, go get your husband. And you know what she says right back? Conviction. I don't have a husband. Jesus said, you're right, you don't. You've had five of them. And the guy you're with now is not even your husband. So there is a time, it happened with me, for someone to lovingly point into your life and go, what is all this? This isn't right. This this isn't right because that's what Jesus just did now I love look look what she does well we'll get to that Jesus told her to get her husband he forces her to admit her sin and you know why this is important I hope you write this one down you know why Jesus forced her to admit her sin because there can never be a conversion without conviction there'll never be a conversion without conviction until you acknowledge the sin in your life you can never be redeemed You know why? You got to be repentant. Hey, Lord, I repent. I acknowledge my sin. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. I want that living water. So he points this out. We must come under conviction before we will ever repent. And then with repentance comes that saving grace. That's what happened to me. I had this experience of a guy representing Jesus that said, this is going on. This is going on. That is going on. This is going on. How do you call yourself saved? And you know what happened? Conviction. You make your case. He pitched it back to me. Just like Jesus, go get your husband. I don't have a husband. You darn right you don't. So let's talk about that. And I couldn't couldn't find a way to justify the sin in my life. I, I was basically saying, I didn't know it then, but I understand now. I was basically looking and saying, yeah, Jesus is really no big deal. I had some little thing I said one time, and I've just gone, I've just rejected Jesus and lived my life any way I want to, but he still I'm still good with Jesus. And you know what the pastor said, representing Jesus? I don't say much about Jesus. So I came under conviction, which then led to my conversion. I got convicted, so then I repented, and then when I was repented, I received the grace and I received the redemption, I received the forgiveness. But I couldn't get to that place. You know what had happened to my life up to that point? Other than my sweet mama, no one had ever said, hey, you're lost. My mama had once said, I doubt your, I doubt your salvation. And I kind of got through that moment because I wasn't ready for repentance. But you know what? Jesus said, I'll come back to this. Go ahead and wallow in a little bit longer. <laughs> and then you're going to come to yourself. And when you do, I'm right there to forgive you. Just like the prodigal. You top that hill, I'm coming. You don't have to come all the way to the porch. I'll come. But you got to top that hill. you got to get in the hog pen. You have to come to yourself and say, what am I doing? And so he did this for this woman. Now look, look at her trying to detour right here after saying, I have no husband. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our father's worship. Now, we, now we're going to talk about where we worship. <laughs> I, go get your husband. I have no husband. Hey, let me talk about this. Now, wait they tell us to worship over here? Whoa, 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 come back. That's not what we're talking about yet. <laughs> you know what she wants to do now? She wants to get in religious talk. I don't want to talk about my sin. I don't want to talk about redemption. I want to talk about where we're supposed to worship and all that. I'm going to divert you away from this conversation. So, that's what you ever done that? Raise your hand if you've ever done that. Let's talk about something else. Right? Let's talk about something else. I don't want to be told I'm wrong. Can we talk about something else? So she begins now to discussing the difference between the Jewish and Samaritan religions. I told you before that the Samaritans had done their own temple. And I love this in one of the commentaries. People are more comfortable talking about religion than their sin. People are more comfortable talking about religion. Man, we love the the religious rituals, don't we? Let's just go to church and let's not get any kind of conviction. Let's don't talk about sin. Let's talk about what we're going to do. When's our next social when we got these things are all fine unless you've never come into redemption unless you don't ever want to talk about sin see I like to talk about sin you know what because it saved my life and, 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 and I'm, I, I like to have men that set up and say well, what did you think about that the other day how, how do you think that lines up how do you justify that what do you think scripture says about this I crave those conversations you know why because I want to get it right I don't want somebody to say, yeah, Burgess today out there publicly, yeah, he's really kind of off course today. Well, don't bother about that. Let's, let's talk about the church softball game is coming up. So, so see, that's not that's what she wants to do. When Jesus comes back, and he does answer her question. Look, look down at, at 21. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. Think about that you got a bunch of religion, but you don't know me. You're not worshiping the one and only living God. By the way, he's not going to let her get away with this Samaritan temple either. Don't think he's letting that go. Okay, and, and this is what he's talking about. He says, for salvation is from the Jews. My drop. Hey, I'm here to forgive the Samaritans, but y'all are wrong. This, this thing y'all set up here on the... That's not it. I got news for you. There'll be no Christ and Messiah coming from the Samaritans. It's going to come from the Jews. Let me clarify where salvation comes from. It comes from the Jews. So when you go to some airport and somebody tell you that salvation came from some Asian country, when you go somewhere and somebody says salvation came from United States, from some new prophet who, who Jesus met over in the United States, and that somehow salvation, now the United States is a new promised land, that's garbage. That's garbage, garbage, garbage. That's blasphemy. Salvation comes from the Jews in the person of Jesus Christ, and that is the promised land. And there will be a new Jerusalem. There will not be a new United States. There'll be a new Jerusalem. And He's correcting all this stuff right now. Now, do Jewish people have to recognize Jesus as Messiah? Yes. Absolutely, We're all equal at the foot of the cross. But any of this garbage that anybody tells you salvation came from anywhere else than the Jews, that is a false religion. That's false theology. And you don't want anything to do with it. I don't care how nice and kind they are. Okay? Because you know what Satan usually is? Nice and kind. He's usually beautiful and worldly. And doesn't this sound easy and sound great? So really, we're all going to get it right. No matter what. Boy, Satan would love for you to believe that, wouldn't he? So Jesus is clarifying this. He said, but the hour is coming and now is here because he's here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Jesus is making it clear that not all religions are equal or acceptable to God. Somebody say amen. Some worshipers he said are acting out of ignorance others are acting out of non-belief. The only faith that God will accept is that which came through the Jews. The Bible is of Jewish origin. Jesus was a Jew. The first Christians of the church were Jewish. Jesus said, salvation is of the Jews. Only those who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and obey the truth can worship God and God accept it. I'll say that again. Jesus is saying only those that will have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that He will provide and obey the truth, true belief, remember we talked about last week, is to trust and obey. Those are the people that can worship God and God accept that worship. Everything else people are doing, God rejects that worship. If it's not that, Jesus is also saying that worship will no longer be limited to the Jewish temple. Now he is saying that he said that that this is going away. You've heard this also in uh, in the second chapter of John that we covered, 19-21. through 21. Also, if you want to see this point again about the, the, the worship is no longer going to be limited to a Jewish temple, you also can find Stephen talking about this. Of course, it brought stones. Uh, in Acts 7, 48-50, through 50. make a note of that. Acts 7, 48-50. And so, 129, John in the beginning said that Jesus is the new sacrifice, Jesus is the new temple. Uh, John 2, that we... <clears throat> Studied 19 through 21 uh, we just talked about it here uh, you, you will see also uh, we talked about it in John 3 1 through 9 because what we see now is we have a new birth we have we have new water we talked about that on the water to wine and, uh, and now uh, John is telling us that Jesus is going to be a game changer It's a whole new economy. The old covenant law has been fulfilled and has been set aside. Now there's going to be one truth. There's going to be one form of worship. It will be through the Holy Spirit and it will be everywhere. And Jesus is is making this clear to her, a Samaritan woman. So the next thing she finally realizes that he's the Christ. How do we know that? Look at verse 25 through 30. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. Then John tells us who's called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. How about the minute he says that, I love the next verse. Then the disciples came back. That had to be kind of awkward. I mean, we finally get down to, he's gone through this whole witnessing process. Picture if you're witnessing to somebody, your buddies are going to get something to eat. And all of a sudden you go, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And they said, yes. And I'll say, well, hey, man, we got the burgers. We're back. You know, you'd be like, get, guys, hang on. Hang on just a minute. I'm, I'm right where I want to be. You ever, you, you know, th- that's what that felt like to me. So the disciples come back, but they marveled first, what, that he's talking to this woman. What is he doing? But no one said, who do you seek or why are you talking to her? So they just thought it. But John said, but they didn't say anything. So the woman left her water jar, underline that, and went away into town and said to the people, listen to this. Come and see a man who told me all I ever did. Can this be Christ? Then went out of the town and they were coming to him. Now think about that. If you want to hear how it ought to go when somebody repents, the woman knew about Messiah. She knew was coming. Jesus said, It's me. Then it clicks where you're not a prophet. That's how you knew about my husbands. She's not offended. She doesn't go off and go, I tell you what about this guy. He comes up and starts pointing out my husbands and all that stuff to me and pointing at what I was doing wrong. I mean, who is he to judge? Well, he is the judge. You know what she said? I knew he was Christ because he pointed out all the things I'd ever done wrong. (coughs) He knew all my sin. You got to come see this guy. She left her jar. Now that's the whole reason she was there was to get water. Isn't it interesting when somebody encounters Jesus Christ how quickly the things of the world don't mean anything. (laughs) You know what she said? I got to live in water. Man, I didn't even remember to get my jar filled up. Because she knows what tomorrow she had to come back for that jar up again. She came there solely to take care of her earthly thirst. And when she met the living water, she never even, she just left the jar to go do what? Tell people about Jesus. <clears throat> so here she goes. She believes, she declares he's Christ. And, and she does really what the disciples hadn't even learned yet. She's already telling people about Jesus. Hey, y'all want to come meet Christ? You got to come meet this guy. So, so we know that after this point that we see what what I think I can relate to because here's what's happened now. All the racial barriers are gone. All, All the battles about her being a woman in this society that didn't treat women of any value, that's gone. You know what she is now? She belongs to Jesus. She's part of the faith. She's been redeemed. She's not a Samaritan woman anymore. She's a redeemed person in Christ. You know what she is? She's equal to anybody now because she belongs to the king now. Society didn't think much about her, but Jesus said, you're worth me going to the cross. I want to give you the living water. I want to give it to Nicodemus too, but I don't just give it to Nicodemus. I give it to you too. And you know what else it says, guys? I don't care who you are in this room. I don't care who you are watching this and listening to this. You may be one of the least likely people to be converted and to reach an entire village. (laughs) But you just saw an example that Jesus can do it. He'll take the most unlikely and He'll use you to go reach a village. I mean, if, if you read on, it says, look, look at, look at 39, many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. See, before that, the disciples are talking about that he, he needs something to eat and they're worried about all this above that. And, uh, and they're asking, is anybody giving him something to eat? And you know what he just told them in 32, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Hey guys, here's what I came to do is lead that woman to me. I came to save that woman. That's my food. My food is doing the will of my father. Is that your food? Is that my food? I mean, look at what Jesus said. My food is to do the will of him who sent me, this is in 34, and to accomplish his work. Do not say, there are yet four months, then comes the harvest. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is, is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another one reaps. I sent you to reap, that for which you did not labor, others have labored, and you You have entered into their labor. That's us all working together. You may talk to somebody. You may not get the job done. You may say, I did everything I could, but that person is now pondering. And then the next one of us walks up and says, do you know about Jesus? Yeah, this guy was just talking to me about that. you know what he's saying? Some of you keep saying, in four months we'll worry about this. Let me tell you something. When Jesus sends you into the field, you certainly want to make relationships at work, at school, uh, where at little league field, wherever you are. But at some point, you can't keep saying, "One day I'll share. One day I'll do it." The harvest will need labors at some point. Jesus said, "No, the harvest is there right now." You know what he was showing them? I didn't miss this woman at the well. It's now. It's now there's people like this woman that are already reaping before you. When, when are you going to get started on this? If you want food, your food is to do the will of my father. And then you look at 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Look what it says again. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two more days. Many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard it for ourselves. And we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. Hey, what you said got us started. And some of us believe by what you just said. Others, we did. We heard what you said, but you still are a woman. But you brought us to the one who was going to make sure we understood it completely. She didn't know any theology yet. She just knew Jesus. But when she got them to Jesus, they say, can you say two more days? And he said, yeah. And as he worked it out, now more believed. Hey, we started out interested because of your obedience. But now we've met Jesus and we know he's the savior of the world. I think after today, I don't know. That, tell me there's nobody that has an excuse that says, I just don't know if that's my call. I mean, that's, that's what some people, I know what the Great Commission said, but there's a, there's a phrase in there, Rick, that you didn't see and you can't see it because it's not in the Bible. Jesus said to do this unless it's not your personality. Mm-hmm. Well, I've looked for that in scripture because I keep hearing it and it, it's just not there. We all have different styles. We all have different gifts, We all have different talents. We all have different stories. But we all serve the same Savior. And you've either been changed by Him, so you can tell somebody how that happened, or you haven't. So the question before us as we close today, if you haven't shared Jesus, is it because nothing's ever really happened for you to talk about? And if the answer to that is, no, 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 Rick, I, can, I, I have a great testimony. Well, if you've encountered Jesus, you do. Well, then i just tell that then. Rick, I'm just now starting to learn the word. That's fine. She didn't know any of it. She didn't even know the Torah well enough to know what he was talking about. But you know what she could say? I was this way. I met Jesus. And now I'm this way. And if you can't do that, then maybe that never happened. But if it has, then Jesus says, will you be sure and follow this example today? I showed you how to do it. And then she showed you how to do it. So let's apply that to our lives today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. And thank you for the grace and mercy that you've afforded all of us. There's a lot of people in this room, including the one that is talking. If anyone could be lower than a Samaritan woman, then, then whatever that is, that's what I am. But yet you have redeemed me and you have loved me. And now it's my job to say to you, I love you too. And you said, if I love you, then I'll obey you. And one of the things that you said to do is that to follow your example. And that is to do the will of the father. And, and you have said to us that the father told us to go to teach people, to obey what you have commanded, to make disciples, to baptize people in the name of the father, son, and the Holy spirit. You told us to point people to you. So we commit today, Lord, we'll do that. And may you radically change other lives as you have changed ours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Hey, this is Rick, and that concludes this week's Bible study. Thank you so much for being with us. If you'd like to go back and hear other Bible studies, or maybe some that you've missed even in this series, you can find them by clicking the media button at BurgessMinistries.com.